Welcome to episode number 32 of the Plant Powered Radio podcast series. I'm your host, Janine Bancroft. On today's show from Bristol in England, Rebecca Owen. Rebecca Owen is on a mission to inspire more people to become vegan, take the liberation pledge, and then get active for the animals. As an organizer with the Cube of Truth and the Animal Rights March in Bristol in England, Rebecca believes that we're on our way to manifesting the mass support necessary to build that vegan world. And that now is the most important time for each of us to get involved in a way that feels comfortable to us each as individuals creatively. So Rebecca has a YouTube channel, the vegan pixie warrior, which offers ideas and inspiration for overcoming anxiety, fear, time constraints, and other challenges that keep people from finding their full activist potential. And thank you so much for taking the time today, Rebecca. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm I'm honoured to be a part of this amazing project that you've got. And back at you, for sure. So I always love to hear about people's, how did you get onto the vegan path story? I know a lot of people still think that veganism is a cult, but every single individual I speak with has found it on their own somehow. Yeah, no, um, my husband watched a film with some work colleagues that were recommended to him called uh, Food Choices. Um, and that was in February 2017. And he said, right, we're flipping meat-free Mondays on the head. So we're only going to have meat one day a week. And then we're going to have plant-based for the rest of the week and have cut out dairy. So I was a bit dubious and wasn't sure and questioning it. And we did, we really enjoyed it and we did really well. And then in August 2017, I was at home. My husband was with his parents for the day. And I watched What the Health, Cowspiracy, and vegetated in one day and it was vegetated that got me there was a scene in there where you saw a calf being taken from their mother and that just that was it then my husband came home from his parents I said I'm done I was in tears over the, the animals I said I'm going vegan and he said okay I'll do it with you so it was just that that was it that's a big change because you were raised as I was with a kind of meat and potatoes diet hey that's right. Yeah, it was definitely raises me. I remember wanting to be vegetarian when I was about 12 or 13. And my parents said, because I had a heart defect, that I needed to have meat in my diet, which we now know is not the truth. I mean, I'm 40. So that was that was back in like the late 80s that my parents said that to me. And we know now that that's not true. And and in fact, proof to that is I had a heart checkup. January before I went vegan and it wasn't good and I got to have surgery done because I've got a lifelong condition that I've been born with and a year after I went vegan my next heart checkup was uh, we don't know what's happened but your heart's doing really well and it's performing as normal so <laughs> yeah definitely zumped my, my parents on on them saying I needed to eat animal products. To that is amazing. I love those stories, right? And so did you did you have support from your doctors then and, and the health system? Um, they just asked me what I what I'd done and I just said I've I've switched to vegan lifestyle and I feel better. And they've I used to have yearly checkups, but now I don't have to have them for two years. I'm happy with that. I've still got to have the surgery done because it's something that's necessary. But with regards to the checkups, they they said, whatever you're doing, just carry on doing it. Now you've taken the liberation pledge and I'd like, if you wouldn't mind explaining what that is. And in one of your videos, you talk about the history of how that's connected to the Chinese. And so I'd like to talk, if you could tell about that and then how, how that's maybe shifted things with your family a bit. 
Yeah, um, the Liberation Pledge was something I'd heard about for a while and I wasn't sure how it would work. And I ha- I'm a big advocate for creating demand and creating vegan products and, and going to non-vegan restaurants as well as supporting the 100% vegan ones. So I thought, well, you're going to cut yourself off from your family and friends and how are you going to get people to go vegan and talk about what happens to the animals and talk about the ethics if you're not eating with them. So that's what I thought it was. But a friend of mine in London at the Animal Rights March, he was wearing a fork bracelet and he told me about why he'd taken it. And the way he put it across to me is I'm out on the streets and I'm advocating for people to stop animal abuse and getting perfect strangers to go vegan. And then I'm going home with friends and family and I'm sitting down around the table with them while they're eating animal products. I'm normalizing it. It's like, it's not okay for the strangers to do it, but it's okay for my friends and family to do it. And that was really resonated with me. And also the fact that I was watching footage at Cuba Truths, or I was going to a vigil and seeing these pigs going into the slaughterhouse. And when I was watching all this footage and then being with friends and family, whether they were eating a, you know, a piece of chicken or you know, a chicken leg or an octopus or whatever they were eating, I would see what happened to that animal when they were dying um and it just made me really upset and it made me not enjoy my family events anymore and I would cancel going out last minute and make excuses or I'd become home really angry so after talking to Mark it kind of like I said it resonated with me and it made me decide to take the pledge and it's been easy and it's been hard there's been amazing times where My brother has hidden all the animal products in his fridge when I've gone to visit him because he's worried it's going to upset me. And him and his kids and his girlfriend have eaten vegan the whole weekend. And then there's been other times where people will eat vegan with me, but they're not as happy about it. And they kind of, you can tell that they're not happy about it. But for the most part, I would say 80% of my experiences with the pledge have been positive. And the big thing for me, and I think for all vegans, you try and bring up what happens to the animals while you're sat with friends and family. And they put this wall up and they go, stop stop talking about veganism, stop pushing it down my throat. And, you know, I don't care. I don't want to know. Whereas with the pledge, people are asking me questions. And I think because they realize it means so much to me. They're so, why have you taken this? What, What is it? You know, what happens here? What happens there? And it just opens up the conversation a lot more. So, and it's not for everyone and not everyone can fit it into their lives. But for me it is so, sorry, I digressed as well. The part of the pledge is that you refuse to sit with people that are eating animal products in front of you and you ask them to eat vegan with you. I sort of threw something out there as well about Chinese and because of all the anti-Chinese sentiment in the world, I don't want to leave that dangling. So was it you who talked about the connection? Yeah. Can yeah, you- I did in my first video. So the connection is um, for the Chinese had a ritual where they used to bind their daughter's feet. It came from a king who saw a dancer that had come in. She'd bound her feet and he liked it so much because she had dainty little feet. I don't know if it became law, but it became something that was uh, uh, considered a, a good practice to do, to bind your daughter's feet. And their feet were just literally crushed right up. The toes were curled under, changed the whole bone structure. And a few of them had enough of this. So what they decided to do was refuse to bind their daughter's feet, but also more importantly, refuse to let their sons marry women that had bound feet. And eventually it just became obsolete. 
and they, they didn't do it anymore. And it, it took about 100 years to do. Hopefully the Liberation Pledge won't, won't be 100 years before we get a vegan world. But and I haven't managed to turn anyone vegan with it yet. But it's definitely making people think more. And I do know of other people on the support group that have turned people vegan from taking the pledge. Right. And ultimately, I mean, we do it for the animals, but also we're doing it. We're helping with their health. If they have any health issues, as you know, you're a testimony to that, right? That it's actually healthier if you sit with me and eat this food, even just one meal is going to make a difference in your body, right? So we're doing everybody a favor. And so I don't, yeah, it's frustrating when those walls go up for sure. Um, I've had a similar experience at Christmas this year. I finally, I think something about COVID and just the idea that now we know that not only is it bad for our health, it's, it's horrible for the environment, it's terrible for the animals, and it's caused a pandemic, this, this habit that's been normalized, like foot binding was normalized. This thing that, that happens is normalized. And now I can't, it's really just even hard to know what to say to people anymore when they're talking about how they're tired of isolation and shut down. And it's like, well, are you vegan? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's tough times at the moment for everybody. Definitely. The, the, it's, it's been hard and hard not to be able to advocate for the animals. That's, that's the toughest thing that I find. Um, but you're right. Like, you know, getting them to, to make that connection. I mean, three out of four, um, diseases are zoonotic diseases that they you know the common cold comes from animal agriculture you know uh, chicken pox literally comes from chickens and you know all of these different diseases that we've got as humans that we have to immunize ourselves against that we wouldn't have to if we didn't have animal agriculture right and and we don't need to do it so so the liberation pledge then it sounds like it's really about normalizing um, vegan total veganism and saying what you're doing isn't normal to me and I'm just I can't participate even by being with you exactly I mean the other way to put it is um if someone had slaves would you go around to their house to have dinner if they had slaves serving you or if someone was serving dog and eating dog in front of you would you eat dog what's the difference between the dog and the cow we often say that as as vegan activists we say there's no difference between the pig and the dog or the dog and the cow. But if someone was serving dog, you can guarantee that those meat eaters, unless they're obviously in China, would kick up a fuss and go, I'm not coming around to your house if you're going to serve dog. So, or I'm not going to sit and eat with you if you're going to eat that. So it's the same thing to me. And I think that's the hardest. It's actually the hardest part of being vegan is is this relationship that we've had with these people that we love and we have memories and we've built a relationship with and then suddenly I don't know it's like the somebody pulled the rug out and that we have no solid ground to stand on anymore it's very challenging especially in these times yeah Our, that's why I'm so lucky my husband's vegan I, I don't I think I would struggle I think I really would because no one in my family's vegan so and I've got loads of vegan friends now because I've become active for the animal rights uh, in the animal rights movement but without my husband I think I don't think I would be on this journey as, as passionately as, and as supported as I am now. That's really wonderful. I, that's re- and especially that he introduced it, the idea. It's usually the other way around, I think. So that's really awesome. And so it must be really frustrating. I, I, I was an activist for um, peace and 
environment for like 20 years. And I think I kind of burned out on the street activism when finally I, I mean, I've been vegan for 20 years, but for some reason, I just, I never, I think I, once I saw earthlings that then I, then I wanted to become an activist that really sort of puts the fire in the belly, doesn't it? But so I, but I think by the time I got that fire in the belly, um, I just kind of burned out on the street activism personally. So, but I understand, I did go to one cube of truth and I get that that's a very powerful thing to do. So it must be very frustrating for you um, now. Is there, is there, are you starting to be able to do uh, street activism again? Uh, We're still in lockdown at the moment in the UK and we've, um, We've got a new bill coming in, which I'm worried about how that's going to affect yeah. street activism. I mean, I'm not part of AV anymore. Um, I've joined a different street activism group. Um, but yeah, I am I am missing it. And, and street activism is not for anyone. And, and that's the whole point of my channel is I want to show all the different forms of activism. There's so many ways you can be active. And, and I, I suffer with anxiety quite badly. And when I went to my first event, I was so stressed out about it. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to get back out on the streets. We're not on the streets at the moment and I'm desperate to get back out there because it's it's where I feel that my my strengths are with talking to, to people, members of the public. And what kind of reactions do you get from people? Uh, you get mixed reactions. You get some people walking past going, I'm going to have a hot dog. I'm like, yeah, go, go ahead. Have a, have a tofu dog, hot dog. You can have a vegan one. Like, um, or, you know, we've had people, we've had kids, young teenagers eating KFC in front of us when we're holding the screens and behind the mask. Um, but generally the people that stop, and I always say inquisitive people tend to be open-minded. So the people that do stop and watch and that you do talk to, most of the time they'll to walk away and go, thank you so much for telling me this. I had no idea. Or thank you for so much for having this demonstration. And People need to be more aware of this. And, you know, so it's usually a positive reaction. You will get the odd one that isn't, but I can probably count on, on one hand in the last two and a half years how many negative reactions I've had, and it's not many. So, so it doesn't trigger your anxiety as much as you thought it might? With my anxiety, the thing is I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for the animals. And when I'm getting the kit bag together and getting all the cars and signs together. And I'm having that feeling in my belly, like I'm going to go out the house and I've got to get on the bus and I've got to talk to people. I just put my mind in what, what the animals are going through. And it's so much more worse than I could be when I'm out on the streets talking to a stranger. What's the worst thing that's going to happen to me? They're going to shout in my face and walk away and I'm probably never going to see them again. Whereas these animals are going through so much pain and torture and is well for me because I was I, I paid for that for 40 years of my life I feel like I'm making up for that time now by being out there and talking for them right on yeah and you have posted some videos as well where you've gone to um, slaughterhouses and and with the trucks and do they do that there where that where they give them uh, water as they're going in or is it we don't do the water in the UK it's very different I think to how it is in Canada because that's what I always expected when I went to my first vigil I remember taking a few bottles of water for the pigs but we can't do that over here because um we're, we're really lucky I say it lucky it sounds weird but with the group of people that we have doing animal save in Bristol the woman who kind of heads it up and is the face of it she's like a my vegan mummy like I'm her vegan daughter because she doesn't have any vegan kids and she's my vegan mummy um but she's a very peaceful loving 
person and she's built up a relationship with the health and safety officer in the slaughterhouse. So this lady will often come out of the slaughterhouse, talk to us, make sure that we're okay, talk to my friend Josephine and go back in. And we have an arrangement that the truck stop, the security guard leaves the barrier down so the truck can't go in. We always ask the drivers if they will stop. And if they won't, then we step back and we don't say goodbye to the pigs. But if they say yes, which I think there's like two truck drivers that won't let us do that, but the others will. Um, and we get a good two, two minutes with the pigs to say goodbye. So we are really lucky. They're having some vigils next week, but I'm back at work, so I won't be able to go. Mm. And so when the truck drivers pause then and allow you to, you're, you're, you're bearing witness really is, is yeah. the point of that. So they allow you to um, film what's going on. Yeah, we're allowed to film in the trucks. We're allowed to stroke the pigs. Uh, we're not allowed to climb on the trucks, obviously for health and safety reasons. Um, but yeah, they have no problem with us filming at all. Um, I wasn't what I was expecting. All the videos I've seen of vigils before I went to one were shouting at the truck drivers, the truck drivers shouting at the activists, and it was just all you know a lot of tension. So I was really nervous about it. But when Josephine explained to me how it works at Bristol, I was pleasantly surprised and shocked. And inside, I'm raging at these truck drivers. Inside, I'm screaming and shouting and swearing. But then in my mind, that doesn't do the pigs any use either because they're stressed. They're in a stressful situation and they know what's coming. They can smell and sense that something's wrong. Um, and if you're shouting and bawling, then that's just going to cause them more you know, anxiety. And that's not something I don't want to put on them. They're, already going through enough without us you know making it worse and to me if you're you're being peaceful and you're sharing these videos which I do on my um, Facebook page um when I do a Facebook live when I'm at a vigil other people are seeing that and if they see you acting with love and kindness then they're more likely to act with love and kindness I think and my friend Josephine says love brings love and I 100% believe her in it. she's a good vegan mom she's amazing <laughs> that's awesome and um, so in the UK, you mentioned that um, there are some laws maybe that are going to prevent you from doing outreach. So is this something new? Because we're just now facing a federal, like a national, potentially ag-gag legislation. So currently it's only in two different provinces in Alberta and Ontario, but now there's a bill that's come up that's being voted on. And in fact, some a lot of NDP, which is supposedly the progressive party, a lot of them voted for it because it's framed as farm protection or whatever. Then there's we know there's already laws on the books that protect farm. This is really an ag-gag legislation. Also in Canada, we don't have any transport laws. So these pigs apparently arrive at the slaughterhouse in the summer because they don't sweat. And in the summer it's really hot and they're very distressed. So I'm wondering in the UK, do you you mentioned this law and, and transport laws. Do you know about those? Well, it's not a transport law that's happening at the moment. I don't know about what our transport laws are like. I mean, there was an incident last summer where a pig was fitting in the truck. I wasn't at that vigil. I was at work. Uh, but my friend took footage of it. And it was a lot like we see from, from you guys in Canada. I mean, we don't have, you know, the warmest of summers. But last summer was particularly warm and, and there was suffering there. But... The worrying bill that's coming in at the moment that is trying to be passed by the, the Tory government is a form of ag law, uh, basically refusing our right to protest. So it's 
saying that if the protest causes um, discomfort and distress, um, and for example, if there's an office building where the protest is being held and the noise from the protest disturbs the workers oh in the office gosh. building, the police can shut it down. Wow. So that makes me worry about the animal rights march this year. Um, and it also makes me worry about doing street activism events with the screens because what is on the screens is quite upsetting and it's, it's going to upset and disturb people. And it will only take a few members of public, some anti-vegans, to call up the police a few times and make a few complaints. The police come over to us and you know, sh shut it down. Um, I've been really lucky. I don't know how much that's going to how that's going to be moving forward, but I've been incredibly lucky with my relationship with the police in the in Bristol. They've been supportive of all our cube events. They come up and ask us if we're okay. They give us a reference number, so if we have any trouble, we can phone them up, give them a reference number, and they'll send people out to support us and help us if we're getting abuse or you know attacked from people. Um, for the Animal Rights March in Bristol, they were brilliant in the lead up. They gave me loads of advice, loads of support. They were fantastic on the day. The chief of police spoke to my husband at the end of it. He wanted to speak to me, but I was busy with, with people after the speeches. And he said he, it was a fantastic march. He can't wait for it to do it again next year. And this was in 2019. So it just shows that, you know, if you give, you get, you know, and like Josephine said, if you give love, you get love. And I'm not saying that all police are like this. Obviously, there are bad apples out there, and I get that. Um, I'm very privileged as a white woman, and I know that, that I have a, a very good relationship with the police, and maybe it would be different if I was of a different race or ethnicity. And I understand that, and I get that. So I am very lucky in that respect. Um, but with this new law, I am worried that it's going to affect things, especially with yesterday. I don't know if you've seen on the news, but because of this new bill that's being passed, there are protests happening all over the UK at the moment. And it's, they're calling it kill the bill. Um, and in the UK, we call the police the bill as well. Oh. So it's like a nickname. Yeah. So some people have taken the kill the bill as in rather than kill the bill against protesting to kill the police. We had a protest in Bristol yesterday. Thousands of people turned up. It was really peaceful. I wasn't there um, because of my heart condition. I'm self-isolating, but it was a really peaceful protest. And then in the late afternoon, early evening, it turned bad. And there were some bad apples ruined it for everybody. Mm. The police were out with their riot gear. They hadn't been wearing their riot gear all day. Um, and they set a police van on a light. They spray painted police mm. vans. They spray painted buildings. They smashed up places in the city center. Oh, uh, no. It was an absolute mess. So, oh. yeah, in a way, it's kind of it's worrying that we're kind of playing into the government's hands by that happening in this wonderful city that I'm not, you know, I'm not from, but I live in and I love and. There's so many good, like the Black Lives Matter protest last year where they took down the Colston Hall, the Colston statue. It's fantastic. But last night I'm disappointed and it, it's worrying me. So I'm keen to talk to my contact within the police to find out where we stand moving forward. And if that's going to affect vigils as well, you know, what, you know, is that going to affect our chalking event? Will our messages offend people that we write out on the pavement in chalk? I think it's just going to affect so much and 
for the UK. I just didn't expect that sort of, um, I don't know, silencing, I guess. It seems to be a global sort of censorship. Uh, and, and so, you know, the idea of offending people, I mean, that's a very subjective thing. How do you even, I could say anything offends me. I mean, that's. Uh, can you be- shut down te- our local supermarket, Tesco's, uh, can you shut down Tesco's because their meat aisle offends me? Yeah, I, I mean, and and it's great to have a good relationship with police, but ultimately they're there to enforce laws. And if so, if they're, if that's a law, that's their job, right? And when you yeah. mention about complaints from non-vegans, we know that the big meat and dairy industry is behind implementing these laws and lobbying for these laws. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they're the ones to complain. And also one final thought I had was about agent provocateur. There was a, a gentleman who's now elected as a green member of uh, provincial government, Paul Manley, and several years ago, maybe a decade ago, he was at a protest somewhere in the eastern Canada, and I forget what it was about. I think it was about NAFTA or something or other. And anyways, he he happened to be filming, and at one point, the member of the organization who had organized the protest, Council of Canadians, he noticed that this guy was trying to rustle up the crowd, get everybody angry. And he, he called him out as a, as a provocateur and Paul had this footage and it turned out that indeed is what it was. And so we know that this sort of things happen. So I'm so sorry to hear. There is some video evidence as well that I just saw before we, I came on this call with you that has been sent to somebody else on Facebook of what looks like a provocateur talking to the police and they're having a little talk and then he goes off to the front and it all kicks off. So yeah, but the, those people were saying, oh, you know, you know the police might be responsible but then you think about that and the provocateur and and that that it could be but there were people that had bought fireworks with them and were letting off fireworks in the crowd but whether that was you know premeditated or you know acts I don't know but either way last night is really upsetting and I think it's going to be a real threat to the freedom of this country Uh, I was watching um, on Saturday night, I watched a film called Quit Camp on Netflix. And it was about a, um, like, so in you know, in the States, they have, I don't know if you have it in Canada, but I lived in Miami for a while and you have like summer camp, right? Mm -hmm. It was a summer camp for people that were disabled. And, um, and they, you know, went from spina bifida to cerebral palsy to, you know, all sorts of different disabilities. And, it was set in, it was filmed in the 70s and, and it was a documentary about how they actually protested for their civil rights in the mid 70s to have the right to just you know enter a building because there was no you know there was just steps and there was no ramp for them to enter and to have you know normal schools and and everything that you should have as a, a human being and it was something that never occurred to me. I, I thought about women's rights and you know the, what this bill is going to affect so women's rights black rights, gay rights, trans rights, animal rights, it's going to affect all of those. I never even thought about disabled people and their rights. It wasn't in my head. So that really resonated with me as well. And we just, we've got to stop this. And I don't know what we can do apart from lobbying the government. But I think last night's events are going to go against us. And it's worrying. It's worrying me. Yeah, people need to stay peaceful. We just, we never win with violence. We don't win. They have more weapons. They have the weapons. They have the laws. They have the jails. And they want us to get violent. That's what they want. And that's why they plant these people within our movements to encourage people to bring fireworks or whatever, right? I mean, 
Oh, yikes. Okay, well, that's worth keeping an eye on. And um, yeah, like you say, that's going to affect every the peace activists, the environmentalists, everybody, right? So yeah. Okay, something to keep an eye on. So speaking of let's get back to happier things now. Um, other forms of, no, that's good. That's important stuff. Um, uh, but other forms of activism. So I was speaking yesterday or the other day with a friend of mine who is uh, autistic and uh, he saved up some money and went to the UK in, was it 2019 when there was the massive animal rights marches and the big camp out? Yeah, and, the vegan camp out. Did you go to that? I was at that vegan camp. I was at the Animal Rights March in London, and then we had the one in Bristol in 2019. And I went to the vegan camp out, and it was it was incredible. My first time at camp out, and it was amazing. Yeah, he he went. I remember when he came back, and he was just raving about it for ages. And he 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 said, now this year they're they're trying to uh, organize for this year, and they've got Russell Brand. Uh, yeah, I've got Russell Brand. So, um, which I I probably won't be going to see Russell Brand. I find him a bit apologetic. And I don't, I don't have much time for apologetic vegans. Um, but yeah, there's, it's going to be good. I mean, it was, I have, I've had my tickets for this year's since 2019. I bought them for Christmas because I was expecting to go last year. So those tickets are still safe for this year. So that I can't wait. I hope fingers crossed everything goes okay with COVID and lockdown. We come out of lockdown and we can have vegan camp out because it's just it's such an amazing place to be and be in a field surrounded by 7,000 other vegans. And it's just an incredible experience. I mean, not all of them are vegan. Um, in fact, my vegan camp out, I went with a friend of mine and her husband Ted's along, he's not vegan. Uh, but by the end of the weekend, he was vegan. So right. That was, is amazing. That's so yeah. cool. That sounds wonderful. Okay. And um so you, in your presentation at the Animal Justice Academy, which was this lovely six-week free online course that is still available for a year, there's all kinds of modules that people, I guess they contacted you ahead of time to send in a video for it? It was kind of late notice, actually, and I was really shocked because my YouTube channel is so, so tiny, like I'm like a little tiny speck when it comes to YouTube, um, and I got an email Oh, I think actually I got a message on Facebook saying, I've seen your YouTube channel. I know this is short notice, but we had someone plan to do a talk about everyday activism and they can't do it because they're ill. Could you do it? And this was on the Wednesday and they needed it filmed and edited by the Saturday. And yeah, I was flabbergasted and um, humbled and just, I, I couldn't believe it. I said to my husband, I was like, I can't believe this has just happened. Like I've been asked to be part of this massive thing that, it's got Melanie Joy on it and just all these amazing, beautiful activists that are really well known and this little tiny old me. But I really enjoyed it. And it was what I was passionate about and, and trying to inspire other people. And I, I've had some really positive feedback from everyone. And I tried to reply to everyone's comment on the video. And that's um, well, you did an incredible job. I was really inspired by your your presentation because it's true, you know, uh, it's, it takes a lot of courage to get out uh, and do the, the talking to strangers piece. But there are so many things. Could you give us samples of two or three other things that you like to do? Yes. So I think one of the things um, I suggested was wearing a, a vegan T-shirt. So, you know, I've got my favorite T-shirt says eat beans, not beings. And I love that one because it's quite gentle. Um, stickering. And if you're not happy to sticker in the supermarkets because you're worried about getting caught, then just leave them 
in with the products. So that's a good one. Um, flyering, so, you know, leaflet in, putting leaflets through people's doors, dropping leaflets in magazines. So when you're in the doctor's surgery, open up the magazine, put a vegan leaflet in there, put it back on the table. Um, even leaving magazines in the supermarkets. That's my favorite one is going to the supermarket and putting the leaflet in there. The other thing I like doing with the magazines in the supermarket is getting the vegan ones and putting them in front of all the other magazines. So you have like a whole row of just vegan. It'll be the same magazine, but it's a whole row covering all the other. There's so many little things you can do. So many. Um, making a video was my latest idea that I, well, actually it comes from um, Animal Justice Academy was to make a video about why you're vegan and to share that on your Facebook page or your Instagram or start up a YouTube channel. Because even if 10 people see it, that's 10 more people that have seen the reason of why you're vegan and you might affect one of those 10 people and then they'll go on to affect others. So it's like a ripple effect. Right on. Yeah, well, I, I recommend people go check out your, your channel, the uh, Vegan Pixie Warrior, right? Vegan Pixie Warrior, yeah. My and nickname's Pixie um, and I feel like I'm a, I'm a warrior for the animals. So, And how did the YouTube channel start? What inspired you to start that? Funny enough, it was the Liberation Pledge uh, that did it. So I've been active for a while and a few people have come up to me that in, the, in the city, in Bristol, and said, oh, Rebecca, you're the reason I've got active and you're, I, because of your posts on the local vegan pages on Facebook, I've gone out and done this and done that and you've inspired. And when I took the Liberation Pledge, part of the pledge is to talk about the pledge and tell other people, you know, get other people to take the liberation pledge. And also part of the liberation pledge is to go vegan. That's like the first part to go vegan. So it's getting people to go vegan. So I kind of wanted to twist that a little bit and talk about the pledge, but also try and encourage others, vegans to become active. Because I think that's the major problem we have at the moment. A friend of mine called Mippy Valentine, she said that if we had 50% of vegans were active, we would have had a vegan world last week. But at the moment, it's such a tiny percentage of us that are out there doing something. And it doesn't have to be direct action. It doesn't have to be going into farms and taking animals. It doesn't have to be talking on the streets. It can be any of those little things that I mentioned a moment ago. But we need just more of us. So that's what it was that inspired me. But I thought no one wants to listen to a 44-year-old woman talking about activism. <laughs> But my friend is a coach and I took a coaching program with him to build up my self-esteem and improve my self-image of you know how I feel about myself and how I feel about how I look and build up my confidence. And I just did it. And what I've loved as well is like the growth, like my first video, I'm just sat here in this chair, right. all <laughs> like, mm, stiff and nervous. And then, then up to the, you know, the animal justice one, I'm just bang in, in confident and talking to my friends and that's what I think I'm doing when I'm talking to the camera I'm like I'm just talking to my mates that's all I'm doing but yeah it's just I just want a vegan world and I just want to help people get active and so I did some research before I started the channel and the reasons people don't get active is they don't know how to get involved um they've got kids and family and they don't have time they have a disability so they can't get out on the streets or take part in a, a badger a badger baiting um destroying badger baits or fox huntings or something like that mm -hmm. so there's other things that you can do in the background you can help with the paperwork you can help with their websites their instagram pages you don't have to be 
out there doing something. There's always something you can contribute to right. and use your strengths. Like I've interviewed a few people that are great with music and singing. I can't sing. I can't play any instruments. But I think it's you know that song might reach out to somebody and might make them make them think and and go vegan. Yeah, it's about planting those seeds, right? And each of us yes. play a part in that. And you know, I think us older ladies. Uh, I'm older than you are, and. It, it, it's it's a compulsion I it, you know I feel like you got to do something right and and that's that's why I started um, my channel too and which is smaller than yours as a matter of fact in terms of viewers but when I check the demographics absolutely I don't care I mean as long as if even if one person is is watching that's great and so when I check the demographics anyways on on my podcast on this page it's it's older ladies who are really the people who are interested. And uh, so power to us. Let's do this thing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> your, your age and your section stand in your way of doing anything at all. I've got a friend who's he's 83 and he's he's a vegan activist and he's out on the streets and he's running and doing exercise and he's an inspiration to all of us. He's the youngest 83 year old that I've ever met in my life. And he's amazing. But, you know, even if you're speaking to like one or two people, if 40 people watch your video or listen to your podcast, that's 40 people out there that would never have heard that or never got that inspiration that they need. So never, ever give up, like just keep going. And if my channel gets big, then great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that I've only been doing it since June of last year. And I've only I've, I've got a lot of videos out there now because I did a Christmas advent calendar thing every day for 24 days. I've got people that have come to me and said they've got active because of watching that video. I was on someone's stream the other night and someone watching said, Vegan Pixie Warrior, your liberation pledge videos have really helped me in my journey on taking the liberation pledge. Brilliant. I, you know, if I just help one person, that would be great. And I've helped a handful and that's fantastic. And it's not just me, it's the people I'm talking to. So I'm trying to stay away from interviewing big activists like Joey Carbstrong and Earthling Ed. I'm trying to interview activists that are there just in that community, the ones that we don't talk about, the unsung heroes that are, are there on the front line and, and doing that job so that people can reach out to them. I had one girl reach out and she's in Northern Ireland and she thought she was too young to go to a vigil or she didn't, and she didn't know how to get involved in other forms of activism. I happened to know an activist in Belfast. So I asked him to, if I, I did interview him and now she's going she's reached out to him and she's getting active right so you know I'm just happy that that's happened and that's what I wanted you know every time I get a message you know maybe two or three times a month I get a message from somebody but that's great you know that that's the whole reason I did it was you're out there and you're helping the animals and that's what I what I want Right. Okay. Well, and just one last thing then before we go, Rebecca, is in terms of self-care, you know, we, we care about the animal so much sometimes that we get a little burned out because we're so focused on that. But I think that's an important part of the, what you're advocating too, is that we've got to take time for ourselves, right? hundred percent. Yeah. I, I exercise morning. I don't I know. I don't look like it, um, but I do circuits every morning. I meditate at night before I go to bed. I've, I'm lucky enough that I've got outside space, so I, I'm into gardening as well. And something that I'm going to start after lockdown is um, some more work in the community. So whether that's litter picking or a beach clean or feeding the homeless. So 
you're away then from the animals and you're also building that community and, and being with other people. But that's my way of self-care is meditation and, and exercise. Exercise is so good for the mind. It really helps mental health. Right on. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and for everything that you're doing for the animals and the human animals too. Thank you so much for inviting me on and thank you for everything you're doing for the animals because every, every one of us are important. My guest today was Rebecca Owen, the vegan pixie warrior. You can find more Plant Powered Radio by visiting us on YouTube and by subscribing to this podcast for regular updates. Please be safe and considerate towards all species. And thanks so much for listening. Compassion encircles the earth for all beings everywhere. <laughs>